Good morning, Life Center. It's great to see everybody here today. If you're joining us online, welcome. Thank you for being here. If you're a first-time guest with us, thank you for choosing to be with, here with us today, worshiping with us. There are lots of places you could be, but here's the best place to be, right, since you're here. So if you don't mind, if you're a first-time guest, please stop by our VIP booth. We'd love to get to know you, and thank you for being here today. Amen. What a great day. Thank you, Pastor Scott, for sharing that, that story. I don't know if you've been here on the, during this blessed series and this journey. That is just God showing up and showing out and giving us all a reference point that we can wrap our head around and realize that there really is a favor that God gives his people, and it's amazing to watch it unfold. Um, so this is, the, this is the last Sunday of our blessed series, and I just want to just give a plug for what's coming in December, our Christmas series called I Am. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next month. We're going to be talking about some things that uh, just what God is for us. And, and if you're on the fence, not quite sure, I promise you, you're going to change that, that perspective. When you hear about what God is to us and what he does in our life, it just will inspire your faith. And so be part of that. We're excited about the Christmas season. Everybody loves Christmas, right? Amen. What a great season. So welcome to the final week of Bless. This has been a bit of a journey. Uh, for me, this has been uh, a journey of introspection and, and trying, to, trying to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying about the condition of my heart because what we're talking about, time, talent, treasure, it's all the condition of the heart. And so hearing that, listening to that, and, and you know, starting to understand the difference between being an owner and being a steward or a manager of what God gives us, that's, that's a daily uh, learning experience. We've talked about the challenge of leaving a lasting godly legacy for the generations that follow us. And, and last week, Pastor Scott cautioned us to keep it between the ditches, right? Keep it between the ditches. One side of that is basically embarrassment or shame of the blessings that God gives us. And the other side is taking all the credit for what God gives us. And so there's this place between those two extremes where we're meant to live. And that's really understanding that God chooses to bless us, being grateful for those blessings and saying, God, okay, thank you for blessing me. What can I do for you? What can I do with this that you've given me? How do you want me to manage it? Right? It all belongs to you anyway. So today we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. And uh, this is practical application. So so here's the message content. It's very short, very simple, easy to remember. Look at your neighbor and say, it's up to me. It's up to me. Say it to somebody else with a little, a little energy. It's up to me. All right. So we're going to talk about faith in action, what, what it looks like to live a blessed life and, and how that works. There's a lot of things we talk about in the Bible that, that, that are about faith, that are about prayer, they're just about trusting that God is going to do something in our life. And really, we, we pray, we believe, and we just, we just anticipate. We just hope that God fixes it, performs a miracle, shows up. So much of our faith walk is just that. It's just walking by faith and just trusting that God's got, got everything in control. This one's a little bit different. This is a message about doing. This is a message about doing things that actually attract God's attention. God loves everybody. God sees everybody. But let me tell you, he doesn't treat everybody the same. I would not classify God as fair. I would classify God as just, and the two are different, right? Fairness is not necessarily just, but being just means everyone is measured exactly. 
according to their particular moment and, and, and space and time in their life. And that's what God is. He's just. So, so this, is about, this is a message about doing things, doing something, an action that draws God's attention to you. How many want to be on that side of that thing, right? I want God looking at me and saying, I can trust this guy. There's, there's, there's something about him. He's being faithful. And so this is about what that looks like. So in James chapter 1, verse 22, I love this passage of scripture. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. In other words, I heard a good message, so I'm doing fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> you got to do something with what you hear, right? He says, do what it says. Do what it says. Not very complicated. Just if you hear it, it's in the word, live it out. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. The, the mental picture I have here, I look in the mirror after I woke up in the morning and now I don't have hair so I don't have bed head but I have things like other things, you know, like slobber on my face or a booger hanging out of my nose or something real, right? And so I see all that chaos and instead of fixing it, I just head on to work, <laughs> Poor people at work, right? That's what he's saying here. This is my mental picture. You're just, I'm looking at myself. It's chaotic, and I don't do anything about it. I just keep moving, right? Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, man, what a powerful statement, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, and here's the key, they will be blessed in what they do. I love the fact that there are, he doesn't qualify where you're going to be blessed, he just says you're going to be blessed in what you do, which means it's not just your churchy work that you're blessed in. It's not just you know things that are, are giving to someone else. It's everything you do. So if you're a plumber and you show up to work doing your plumbing job, you're going to be blessed being a great plumber. If you're an electrician and you're doing your electrical thing, then when you show up to work, you're going to be blessed doing that. If you're a professional and work in an office environment, you're going to be blessed everything you do. That's if you hear the word and not just hear it, but you, this is a do message. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a do message. We're going to talk to our neighbors a lot today. Do message. So here we go. I'm going to break apart this parable that Jesus taught, and it fits in with this concept of what we've been talking about, living a blessed life. And we're just going to unpack this. So there's going to be scriptures on the screen most of the time. There'll be some highlighted sections that we're going to talk about. So we're going to start. The, the, it's in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is telling this story. Fantastic story. It starts at verse number 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Okay, we've been hearing about that, right? This is about being a steward. God's given us something. The king is giving wealth to some people. And he's expecting them to, to do something with it. So in verse 15, it says, To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. And to another, one bag. Here's where I want you to look. Each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. Here's the thing. The king knew who he was dealing with. Yeah. Right? If, if the king was fair, everybody would have been equally proportioned with the amount of gold they were given. Right? right. But he's not fair. He's just. Just real quick, a guy that can only handle one being given five will crush him. It's too much. It's too high an expectation. The king knew this. So the king levied out or uh, uh, divvied out his wealth based on the ability of the people that he knew what they could do. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible talks about the creation story. And it says that man was created 
by God from the dust of the earth. But here's the unique thing, separate from all creation. It says he was created in God's image or his likeness. The word likeness there comes from the word that we've translated as to facsimile. If you ever remember what a fax machine is, basically whatever you stuck in one side popped out the other side, right? The image, the same image. That's how we were created. So God knows every one of the gifts, talents, skills that he has placed inside you, who you are as an individual. He already knows this. So guess what? He gave gifts to you based on what he knows you can handle. We'll dig there a little bit deeper as we go. Continuing on, verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. He went at once and put his money to work and, gave fi- and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Now, now look, this, is, this indicates the kind of stewards that these guys were. They didn't lollygag around. They didn't, well, I'll get to it eventually. They immediately took that investment And they immediately applied their energy into turning that investment into something that was going to be profitable. And and, and let's look at this parable in a different way. I I kind of view this parable, this story, not as some starting point in in some life somewhere. But I I view this as the moment when a person uh, finds Christ and and, and their life is changed. They're... They found a, a change in, in who God is to them. They've confessed their sins. They've changed the dynamic, the trajectory. That moment is when this story starts. So when someone gives their life to Christ and makes that commitment to actively pursue Christ, that's the moment when things change in a person's life. That's the moment when the king is looking at a steward and saying, okay, I'm about to give some things to you and I want to see how well you respond to what I'm giving you. We've all accepted the fact that we've been saved by grace, right? None of us have earned salvation on our own. What it took from us was a realization that we are nothing, we're broken, we're messed up, and if we don't have a savior, we're doomed, (laughs) right? And so that moment of faith, we've realized that from God. And so at that moment when we had that commitment to follow him. He begins to expose us and help us to realize the blessings that he's given us. He's given us the task of stewarding things like forgiveness, kindness, mercy, grace, love. What what I'm talking about is when we have that experience with God, those are the things that he entrusts us to do something with. How we respond to him in that moment, how we respond in our life following that moment is an indicator of what kind of steward we're going to be. Additionally, he's equipped us with time, talent, and treasure, the natural things that we are as part of our life. He's invested those things in us, the skills he's given us to produce something for him. And it's time to put that investment to work, right? It's time to take what God has put in me and put it to work. Not sit and wait, but put it to work. If you're waiting to get involved at this local community until everything in your life is perfect, I'm pretty sure you're going to misuse the time, talent, treasure God's given you. Because first of all, you're never going to reach that state of perfection. Second of all, time is passing, right? If you're waiting to share your story of what God's done in your life, of God's grace in your life, until you've got everything together, you're never going to share your story. You're never going to be actively using and investing what God has put in you. You're not going to be like those guys that immediately took those five and, and three bags of gold and put them to work. Two bags of gold. 
Paul understood it, and he, he wrote it this way in, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul. He wrote it this way. He said, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship, the word stewardship is the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and for preserving. That's what a steward does. They care for someone else's property and they preserve it. So he says this to the people he's talking to, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was entrusted to me. Paul realized that grace was just not something that he got to live in. It was something that was given to him as an investment. And he said, it's entrusted to me to share with you for your benefit. This is why I love this. This is why we preach that getting saved is just the introduction to Christ. It's just the beginning. It is just the beginning of the real journey. The real journey is not finding Christ. The real journey is once you've found him, what the journey looks like after that. The journey of taking all the, the things that he's put in you and up to this point, you've been squandering them, living them selfishly, self-centered and self-focused. All of a sudden now, you have a different perspective because you, now you realize that the gifts that God gave you were gifts that he gave you. And he's looking to see what kind of steward are you going to be with those gifts? What kind of return is the king going to receive? Right? It's an amazing, amazing journey. And so let's jump back into the parable at verse number 18. But the man who received one bag, he went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. What a safe guy. Like this is the guy, you know, that had a lock on his door and two deadbolts. Right? This is the guy that had a battery backup on his sump pump. This is the guy that had extra insurance on his car. This is the guy that checks the locks every night before he goes to bed. <laughs> This is just a safe guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just a safe guy. He doesn't want to lose something. It's not evil. I'm kind of this guy sometimes. I like this guy. He's trying, right? He's just trying. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. I jumped ahead a few verses. He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Here it is. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Didn't lose a penny. To the dime, what you gave me, I'm giving back. Here is the key. If, you're, if, you, if you have a phone and you can take a note, you have permission to open your phone and take a note. If you're writing, if you have a pen and write on the back of your hand, here's what you've got to get. Fear is the thief of abundance. Fear is the thief of abundance. Okay, neighbor time. Poke your neighbor and say, fear is the thief of abundance. Neighbors are going to have bruises from being poked today. Fear is the thief of abundance. Say it with me. Fear is the thief of abundance. Why am I hammering that home? Because that is key. The only reason why this particular individual did not do something with what was given to him was because he was afraid. The other two guys, I guess, weren't afraid. They knew that something was given to them. They were going to make something happen, and off they went. But this guy was afraid. Fear is the thief of abundance. If you're afraid to love, if you're afraid to forgive... If you're afraid to invest in relationships, if you're afraid to be generous, if you're afraid to use the talent God gives you because you're afraid that it will be taken advantage of, am I talking to anybody in here? If you're afraid that there will never be enough, 
No hands. If you're afraid that there will never... Fear is the enemy of abundance. If you live a life of fear that there's never going to be enough, guess what? There will never be enough. You know what that means? That means you're depending on what you can do and not what God can give. This is not simple. These are not cool phrases. This is a way of thinking that has to be changed at its core. And it is difficult to do. And without the Holy Spirit, I'm here to tell you, you cannot do it by yourself. Because the Bible tells us that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is a different way of thinking. What happens when I lose that fear of there never being enough? All of a sudden, I've given space for God to show up and provide so there's always enough. Here's the thing. They're afraid. He was afraid because he did not know the master. He was afraid because he did not know the master. He said he knew that this guy was a hard man. How did he know? Did he hear? Had he heard rumor? There's no account of a personal experience, was there? Just he was afraid. Here's the thing. The reason why we talk around here so much about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ You cannot be a good steward if you don't know who the master is. You can't receive the blessings from Jesus if you don't understand and know who he is. You can't have a relationship with him based off what I tell you about him. Are you tracking with me? Right? You may have this idea of how God does things, and especially when we talk about money, because there's a lot of bad press about church and money, right? Right? You don't have to look far to see that and hear about it, right? If you personally don't know the master, you're going to live off of experiences from other people to determine what your level of faith is. Fear is the enemy of abundance. Here's the next piece to this that's going to get kind of all up in here. God doesn't reward maintaining Lights were out. (laughs) God doesn't reward maintaining. If you live your life with Christ just maintaining, you will never experience a truly blessed life. One that's what is what is what does that mean? That means if you're just living for Christ to be saved, that's maintaining. If you're just living for Christ so that you can check the Christian box. Put the bumper sticker on your car, and I'm good. If that's what you're doing, you're just maintaining. Maintaining doesn't invest in other people because that's messy, it's scary, it's, it can be damaging, it's just it's freaky. Maintaining doesn't stretch you into leading the next rooted small group. Maintaining doesn't allow you to join the next rooted small group. Maintaining doesn't get you on the dream team serving in... I picked my clothes out. Right? For this moment. That was well planned. (laughs) Spent all week figuring out, how am I going to do this? Right? That's it right there. It doesn't get you on the dream team serving in some capacity in this building on Sunday morning because that is not maintaining. 
That is doing something outside your comfort zone because there's someone out there that's going to come in here that doesn't yet know what you and I know. And that's why we're here. That's what we're doing this for. Maintaining doesn't build a generous heart. Maintaining keeps it hidden and keeps it closed. Maintaining breeds selfishness because by definition, that's what it means. I'm more concerned about not losing something than I am about sharing something that I have. But Jesus dealt with that one too. He's kinda, he kind of knows what's happening, right? He kind of knows how we are. So in Matthew 10, 39, he says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Why does he got to be so complicated? It's really not complicated. It's actually quite simple. When we understand that we don't own, when we understand that we steward, and so therefore everything we have is his anyway, it's easy to bring our tithes because we know it's his. It's easy to live off the remaining part because we know he'll bless it. It's easy to know that, yeah, trouble comes, but you know what? I've got somebody in my corner that will take care of trouble. Does that mean you don't have issues? No. Does that mean you're not like Pastor Scott and get the phone call and you're like, oh, what's going to happen now? Of course it doesn't mean that goes away. But something's working. Something's happening in the background. He said it also. He said sometimes we don't even know what God has taken away that could possibly have wrecked our world. We just don't even know about it. When you realize that I am giving away something really that doesn't belong to me anyway, how difficult is that? To know that the person that I'm entrusting, that has entrusted something with me, is expecting something back from me, that's easy because I know that whatever the need is, whatever the situation is, somehow he will just work it out. Does that mean I don't stress? Nope, that's not what that means. I have plenty of that. It doesn't mean that I'm not nervous about what's coming next. No, but somewhere in the back of my mind, I just know that God is there. This takes a process maintaining isn't faith-based, it's fear-based. And fear is the enemy of abundance. Good stewards don't bury gifts. I'll just leave that there. Good stewards don't bury gifts. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returns and settles accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, done, good and faithful servant. I like this part. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You just got a promotion. Battlefield promotion. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Here's the thing. Even though the king, the master, knew their abilities when he initially handed out the investment, because of their faithfulness, and that that word faithfulness there literally means acting out of faith instead of out of fear, right? Because fear is the enemy of abundance, right? So they were acting out of faith, trusting that the king trusted them, and so I'm just going to do what he trusted me to do, and I'm going to see what happens. He increased his investment in, in them by putting them in charge of more things, this is, this is, I think, by definition, what it means to live an abundant life. So a, a lot of times this, this parable is, is really used in the context of at the end of your life when you're standing before God to be judged of all of your actions in life, and then you get to go to heaven or you get to go to hell, whichever one, right? Um, but I, 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 I think this story is, is different from that. I think, I think there, it's, it's got a different meaning to it in the sense that 
that wasn't the end of this, these gentlemen's careers with the master, right? He was just giving them promotions, and they were growing, and they were advancing, and things were happening because they were being great stewards, and he was entrusting them with more. And so I think this is, this is actually a lifestyle. And I don't know if you remember this, but Pastor Scott kicked this series off. He said, he said this, this series is, is, is a how-to-have series. And I, I got to thinking about that, and, and, and it's, it's, it's not a how-to-get series, it's a how to have, which means if I have a little or I have a lot, how do I have it? How do I live with what I have? How do I do with what I have? And what we've been unpacking is if I understand that what I have is something that God has trusted me with, then I know that it belongs to him. And if he needs it, he can have it. And as he, he receives it, he will put more in where it needs to be covered. I mean, it just will happen. And so this how to have mindset is, okay, so God, you're giving me things and, and you're wanting a return on that investment. I'm going to give that back to you. So if, if I have a talent and I have a skill that can be leveraged in this community, I, I'm going to find a place and plug in and, and let my skill be a, a contribution to what is happening in this community. If we didn't have someone that could sing good and you guys had to depend on me to sing, Oh, Lord. Right? But fortunately, someone that can sing good realizes that's the talent that was given to them. And they said, you know what? I'm going to invest that talent right here, which means I've got to come to practices, which means I've got to be here early, which means I've got to give something of myself. But it's not a hardship because they realize that as I give this, then all of a sudden God begins to open up things in other ways, in other areas. Their careers get blessed. Their life gets blessed. It's a blessed life. I'm talking about living in abundance because the king is continuing to say, you're doing great with what I'm giving you. Well done. Share in my happiness. Have an abundance in your life. I'm good with that. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. <laughs> right? Parable sounds so maybe, maybe a little too simple. I, I, don't, I don't know, but, but to be able to share in the happiness that the master has is what true abundance in life looks like. There are material things and there are possessions that bring abundance that make our life easy, but those things don't make our life happy and joy-filled. Right? So not only are we able to experience material blessing, but when he says share in the master's happiness, he's talking about the emotional side of us that stress, fear, anxiety steals from us. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. All of those are intangible items, but if you try to live without any one of them, you're not happy. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Verse 26, the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, you gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, at least I got an interest, something. So take the bag of gold from him who just had one, and it was afraid because fear is the enemy of abundance. And I want you to take that one bag, and I want you to give it to the guy who has 10 already. And verse 29 is key for whosoever has, whosoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. I hope that you've been able through the course of the last four weeks to shift this mindset of blessing from only judging it from the perspective of material things. It's so much bigger than that. I'll show you this in a second. Material things are just a barometer. They're just a gauge. I'll explain that to you. But if you're looking at what the scripture is saying here, and what Jesus is saying here, he's saying that if you can take what I've given you, do something with it, there's more to come. 
So here's the message, right? Don't be surprised that when you're striving to be a good steward with what God's giving you, all of a sudden more blessings come in different ways. Don't be surprised. And don't be surprised when that increase starts to happen, there are more opportunities for you to steward again. Because it's the thing that continues to happen. Because the more that is given and the more that is returned, God says, let's just give some more. Because he's, you're growing that trust. That's why I said at the beginning, we're doing something that attracts God's attention. As we steward well what he gives us, he gives us more. Which means, if I'm a good steward of God's grace, what does that look like? That means when the person infuriates you, you bite your tongue. And you extend grace. Oh, if you'd have had the day I had yesterday, you would realize that was probably the hardest statement I'm making all morning. I was not a giver of grace yesterday. I had none. I gave none. (laughs) And you know what? It's, ah, sometimes, you know, you guys are lucky you don't have to do this from up here because what happens is I have to do this first and then God will do something and then I have to deal with it, right? And that's what happened to me yesterday. I had to deal with it. And I realized that, man... When, I'm talking, when it's talking about him entrusting me with something, it's not just material things. It's not just what I put in the basket. I love living in God's grace because that covers a whole bunch of stuff that I do wrong. But about, that, about the time one person does something wrong to me, man, I have a list. I have a hammer. I'm a gavel, and I'm about to execute judgment. And God's saying, hello, let's see. Let's evaluate the ROI right now. Let's see how you're doing with that gift of grace I've given you. Are you burying it because you're afraid, or are you doing something with it? I'm telling you what Paul was saying. He's given us the the, the stewardship of things that are intangible, like love and grace and compassion and mercy. We're all hung up on things we can buy and touch. We're not even talking about those things. I'll give you five bucks, but cut me off, and I got words for you, right? Are you with me? Right? I just gave the homeless guy at the corner at the red light 20 bucks. The guy cuts me off. I cuss him out. That is not working. I'm not being a good steward of what God has given me. And I hope I never have to stand before him. And he says, you know what? You could have at least been kind to one person, and this would make this right here a little easier, but you weren't. Right all up in here again, right? (laughs) This is why good stewards that are blessed are often targets of criticism and jealousy. Because we focus on material things when we talk about God's blessing. But when you're a good steward and you're focused on pleasing the master and properly caring for the property and the blessing and those intangibles that he's given to you, the naysayers are just looking at the material things in your life. Well, if I had their life, I'd love Jesus too. (laughs) Right? Worship team, you guys can come. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Here's the real mission. Luke chapter 16. Jesus again doing his Jesus thing and breaking it down. Just straight to the heart. So if you have not been trustworthy, not been a good steward in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? With true riches. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? The real, the real truth that Jesus is unpacking here is yes, material wealth is something, 
It's a thing. We all like it. But there are true riches, and those are the things that the world is bankrupt in. When's the last time you're shooting the breeze with a bunch of people that perhaps didn't follow Christ? Somebody's telling you a story. Yeah, this guy, man, my neighbor, borrowed my lawnmower, broke my lawnmower, and he gave it back and didn't tell me he broke it. And so then when I went out to use it, it didn't work. And I went over and talked to him. He's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then how many times in that scenario does someone pipe up? Man, I tell you what I'd do. I'd go steal his mower. I'd drive his car into a wall. I mean, <laughs> right? That no one says, you know what you should do? Just go get your lawnmower fixed and take your neighbor to lunch while you're at it. No one's going to tell you that. If they do, you're going to say, something's wrong with that guy. Right? True riches are things like His grace that every one of us in this room are experiencing right now. His love that every one of us in this room have experienced multiple, multiple times. True riches, things like the message of hope that if your life is in shambles, there's a God that cares enough about you to help you out of that mess. And there are people that care about you that will get their hands dirty and help you out of that mess. He's given us things like the ministry of reconciliation. And what that really means is just reconnecting people that are far away from God back to him. That's a gift that we have. How are we stewarding it? How, how are we, how are we, what are we doing with that? When it's our moment to share our story of grace, are we actually doing it? Or are we just letting the moment pass? I said this a few minutes ago, and this is the explanation. Earthly possessions and wealth are simply a barometer. They're just a physical indication of how well we're handling things, how well we're handling what God has given us. If we don't handle the material things very well, there's a very, very high probability that we're not handling the true riches very well either. We, we may not be pointing people to Christ we, we may not be building strong, godly families. We may not be loving our fellow man the way we should. And I tell you what we aren't doing is we aren't leaving a godly legacy. This is a do message. This is a do message. I, I'm telling you, this stuff is just... It, it gets in your heart and it gets in your mind and I realize... God, you're changing us. If, if we, if we as, a, as individuals, but we as a community really get our mind and heart wrapped around what it means to be a good steward of what God gives us, both in material things and, and in the, the true riches and the things that are not physical, but yet they're life-changing. If we really realize and start living that kind of life, what kind of impact will we have in the world, we, in our circle of influence, in the people that we work with, in the people that we are connected with, in the, in the associations we have in our life, when people realize, wow, something is happening in that person's life, and I want to find out what it is. Amen. Amen. Father, I'm so grateful for your grace and your spirit that we have felt in this house today. 
Thank you, God, for the people that we're close to in this room. Thank you, God, that we get to build relationships. Thank you that we get to journey together. Thank you, God, that we're all recipients of your great love and your grace. And I pray, God, that to a person, we would be the stewards that you know we can be because you've equipped us according to the abilities that you have given us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. What a great day. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to meet you at the back of the VIP booth. Thank you for being here. Have an amazing week. God bless you.